0: Hey everyone, it's great to be with you all today. If we haven't met, my name is Jacintha and I'm one of the pastors here at HTBB. Today I'm going to be preaching from the Gospel of John, from Jesus' first recorded public miracle where He turns water into wine. So let's read together now from John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. I don't know about you, but I feel like the word that describes the past 18 months for me and for many around me is languishing. It's basically when you feel kind of meh and each day you exist in that space between depression on the one hand and flourishing on the other. And I read recently that languishing has been described as the neglected middle child of mental health. If languishing had a face, he would look a little like this. If you resonate with this, You're not the only one. In fact, it's so common, it's been said, that languishing may be the dominant emotion of 2021. And yet, the question on a lot of our minds right now is, how do I get from a state of languishing to flourishing? Last week, Dan spoke about too much bread, a sign of flourishing. And a couple of weeks ago, Kate spoke about how God can bring new wine out of a shriveled old grape. Today, you may be feeling just like an old grape. Maybe you're languishing because you somersault between feeling energized and exhausted on any given day like I do. Maybe you're tired because the season has been relentless for you and for your loved ones. Maybe you're set to start a new project. Maybe you've lost your livelihood or a loved one or that you're lonely. Or maybe you're healthy and well, but you know others who aren't. Or maybe you feel overwhelmed by all that's happening around you and you just don't know what to do. I want to speak into this today. As we look at this passage about Jesus turning water into wine, I believe that Jesus wants to bring new wine out of you. As we go through the crushing of the season, in one sense, creative juices are being squeezed out of us because God is calling us to join Him to create pockets of flourishing in a world that is languishing. And so I've titled today's sermon, Called to Create in a Time of Languishing. You know, there are many ways to move from languishing to flourishing, but I think one of the keys is to create. And here are just a few reasons why. Creating, it helps with problem solving, It requires courage. It gives us a sense of purpose and something to work towards. It improves our ability to focus. It's fun because it really is another form of play and it keeps us learning and growing and it helps us to connect with others. But then you might be thinking, but Jacinta, I'm not very creative at all. I mean, I work with spreadsheets and I love my set routine. But if I'm honest, I don't consider myself a creative either. You know, the closest I've come to being creative this lockdown was to shave Abel's head. And yet, even if you don't consider yourself a creative in the way the world perceives it, because God is a creator God and He created us in His image, you have a creative spirit in you. We all do. And so, here are three things we can do to join with God in the act of creation to move us from a state of languishing to a season of flourishing. The first is to show up. In the passage, it says that Jesus showed up at a wedding. In verses 1 and 2, we read, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and His disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now, a celebration hardly counts as a time of languishing. It's it's for this reason that I love celebrations. I long for the time we get together again on Sundays, in the building, at family reunions, at weddings with friends. I'm really grateful that we're able to worship together online. But equally, I miss meeting with people in person, especially those gatherings. You know, during Chinese New Year, you're sat around a dining table with family members and friends. You've got some yi sang in the air and maybe even some in your hair. It definitely doesn't comply with physical distancing SOPs. But you see, although Jesus showed up at a party where physically people were celebrating, spiritually, everything around them was dry. John was writing to an audience who hadn't heard anything from God for about 400 years. And it's in this silence that Jesus shows up, not on a stage or in a synagogue, but at a celebration of an ordinary couple about to get married. I wonder, have you found it harder to show up these days? I read recently that since the pandemic began, there's been a 300% increase in the Google search. How to get your brain to focus. Showing up and being present these days is hard. And if you're like me, you might find it difficult some days to get to your office, even if your office is just 10 steps away. A number of years ago, a pastor was traveling in Australia doing some teaching, and he came across someone who shared that he was introduced to Jesus by a man on George Street in Sydney. This pastor said, thank you for sharing, and then he didn't think very much of it. But then he flew to Adelaide, and then he flew to Perth, and he kept meeting people who had all come come to faith through the same person. Months later, he flew to the US and then he flew to India. And again, he met people with similar stories and all of their stories began with, I was walking on George Street in Sydney one day and I was handed this booklet. And so he thought, the next time I'm in Sydney, I must look for this man. So eight months later, he has the opportunity, he flies to Sydney, he finds out his name, he manages to find out where he lives, and then he just shows up at his apartment. He found out this man's name is Frank Jenner. And Frank said, I was working on an Australian warship, I got into a crisis, and one of my team members led me to Jesus. My life changed completely. And I promised God that I would share the love of Jesus to at least 10 people every day. I've handed out booklets to people for over 40 years now on George Street, and I hadn't heard about anyone coming to faith until today. Frank Jenner passed away two weeks later, and later on, the pastor estimated that the number of people who had somehow been led to Jesus through Frank is over 146,000. All because Frank was faithful in showing up every day. In this passage, Jesus shows up, and soon after, he has a problem to solve. His mother says to him, they have no more wine. Now, it's easy to ask, why was running out of wine such a big problem? I mean, I get it if you've run out of, say, rice or toilet paper or coffee, but wine? And also, of all the public miracles that Jesus performed in John's Gospel, why did he choose this one to mark the start of his public ministry? I mean, Jesus healed people, he raised the dead Lazarus to life. So what's so special about turning water into wine? You see, running out of wine at a wedding would have damaged the reputation, not only of the host, but also the couple at the wedding. But more than that, Jesus was addressing a bigger issue. You see, John wrote these first chapters to parallel the creation of the universe. If in the beginning, the first thing that God did in Genesis was to turn nothing into something, the first of Jesus' miracles in John's gospel was to turn water into wine. If in Genesis 1, God is present with His people in the Garden of Eden, in John, we see Jesus being present with His people at a wedding. But somewhere along the journey, because of sin, the perfection that existed in the Garden didn't last. So Jesus showed up at a time when the people of God were dry. They were languishing like a shriveled old grape. And the shortage of wine is a symbol of this dryness. And so Jesus came into the season of lack to pour out his spirit in abundance. The problem was solved because Jesus showed. Miles once said that Jesus came not to water down our wine, but to wine up our water. Jesus' priority is to create flourishing out of languishing, and he invites us into the creation process with him. I will never forget the time when my funny, loud Fu Chow aunt showed up in one of the most challenging seasons of my life. My siblings, my mum and I just received news that my dad had passed away. It had been 16 days that the helicopter he was in had been missing. And every day, search and rescue teams were out. They were combing the jungle, looking for the helicopter, hoping that the passengers had survived. My aunt showed up faithfully every day. Now, she was normally the life of the party, but this time, she didn't say much at all. Actually, it was her presence that lent us strength. On the 16th day, they found a wreckage, but none of the seven men had survived. I remember when the news was being delivered to the family members of the seven men, all of us huddled into a little room in the hangar, except two of my sisters weren't with us. So my mom immediately kicked into action and she rushed us home. She said, they need to hear the news directly from us. And though the whole experience feels A bit of a daze, I remember so vividly. We squeezed into my aunt's car, the roads were still, the car was silent, the world seemed to come crashing down on us. And it was at that moment, in the silence, my aunt started to recite Psalm 23 out loud. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores My soul. And all of a sudden, I felt engulfed in a tangible sense of peace I had never experienced before. To this day, I remember so clearly, in the silence, God showed up. And in the voice of my loud, funny Fu Chao aunt. In the same way that my aunt showed up and created from chaos an atmosphere of calm. Jesus showed up and created from water. The very best wine. The same God who created in a time of celebration is calling us to show up in a time of languishing. But how do we do that? Well, the second thing we can do as we are called to create is to start with what you have. When God created the universe, He did a remarkable thing. But what's equally remarkable is what He did not create. He created animals, but He didn't give them names. He created land, but He didn't create roads. He created stars, but He didn't create an app that would allow us to hold our phones up to the sky that would uh, help us to know them all by name. After working for six days, God left the earth mostly uncultivated. He created a canvas, and then He called us to join Him in coloring it in. And so as we look at this passage, It's not a coincidence that Jesus invited the servants at this wedding to participate in the creation process with him. In verses 7 to 9, it says, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Jesus was saying to the disciples, come alongside me, create with me, and start with what you have. Hidilyn hey, Diaz, the Olympic weightlifter from the Philippines, won the very first gold, mo- gold medal ever for a country this last Olympics. Now, we Malaysians have been cheering our athletes on for the gold medal for many years now, so we know that winning gold is a really big deal. And while other athletes were training at some of the best sports facilities in the world, Hidelin was stuck in Malaysia for almost two years. Part of the time, in a little kampong in Jasin, just off of Malacca. So she got creative with how she trained. She used water bottles and bags filled with heavy objects. She trained in a car park. And later on, after she had won first place, she said, I don't know if I'm a national hero, but I am thankful that God used me to inspire the people in the Philippines to keep fighting during this pandemic. Hidelin created hope for a country by starting with what she had. And the good news is, we're not starting from scratch. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, Jesus has given you everything you need to create with Him. Scripture says, we have the mind of Christ. It tells us, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It reminds us the same Spirit that raised Jesus to life lives in you. Wow! The same Spirit that raised Jesus to life, the biggest miracle the world has ever seen, the same Spirit lives in us. And this means we can take whatever water we have in front of us and turn it into the very best wine. Is there a prompting in you to create something today? Is there a song in your heart that needs to be sung, a project that needs to be piloted, a prayer that needs to be written, a meal that needs to be made for someone, a strategy that needs to be spoken over your organization or your team? You have the power to create an atmosphere that enables people to abide in Jesus you can build a home, you can move mountains, you can create change, you can start somewhere because the spirit of Jesus lives in you. The best part is it was all done in secret. Now, before it starts to sound a little scandalous, let me explain. In verse 9, after the servants had drawn the wine out, it says the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Do you remember those times when you were little and you shared secrets with your best friends forever and no one else could know? Well, when you're little, you may not have very much, but what you do have, you share. And this is out of a desire to connect. We've known this since we were babies. A special connection takes place when you work on something together, when you laugh about something together, when you create something together. I think of a time when a few people in our congregation were able to connect over a cause. Christine, who's part of our congregation here at HTBB, she gathered a group of friends to pray. You see, her cousin had contracted COVID, and at this point, he'd been in the ICU for two weeks. His oxygen levels were most unstable in the middle of the night. And so Christine said, we're going to fight this when it's at its worst. We're going to pray throughout the night. And so she created a prayer chain with her friends taking half-hour slots between midnight and eight in the morning. And after just two nights of all-night prayer, miraculously, he turned the corner. Her friends continued praying a little longer, and after five nights, Christine's cousin went home. Christine may never know the full impact of her prayers and that of her friends, but she started with what she had. Care for her cousin, friends who love her and her family, and a WhatsApp group. Christine created space for God to work through our prayers, and in that, she built faith in her friends. You see, what is sown in secret, God uses to strengthen the congregation. What do you have in front of you? In a time of languishing, it's easy to think how do I start with what I have when I don't have very much? Jesus started with six stone water jars filled with water. So in this situation, he didn't have very much either. And yet he modeled what it looks like to start with what you have. He's saying, start somewhere. What are the prayers you utter in secret? Just as Jesus turned water into wine, I want to invite you, turn your frustrations into fuel, your irritations to intercession, your worries into worship. God is up to something and he's calling us to create pockets of flourishing in a world that is languishing. This brings me to my last point. The third thing we can do is to serve those you are surrounded by. I love that Jesus' first miracle was to solve a problem to serve others. When God created the universe, He did it out of a service to us. And He didn't just create a functional world. He made it beautiful. That's why when we create we elevate. Words communicated visually becomes a strategy. Two-second video clips edited beautifully becomes a TikTok. A house filled with warmth becomes a home. Ingredients put together with love becomes a meal. And if there's one thing we've learned from this pandemic, is hashtag Kita Jaga Kita. We can't do it on our own. In this world, there may be critics, consumers, copiers, and condemners, but Jesus calls us co-creators, cultivators, and culture carriers. And you if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are in the business of creating other disciples. If you're a full-time stay-at-home parent, you're in the business of creating a place to belong. If you're a leader, you're creating opportunities for your team because while God doesn't need the world to do His work, He works with us to meet the world's needs. A few weeks ago, my 20-month-old son, Levi, was sitting on my lap in a team Zoom call. Later on, one of our team members, Tony, who heads up design in our creative department, we were texting and she asked, by the way, what was uh, Levi drawing in that collar? And so I showed her this photo, You, you know, pretty standard, toddler scribbles, nothing exciting. But then half an hour later, she sends this back to me. Wow. I mean, talk about elevating. In the same way, Jesus took the water from the servants and turned it into wine. Tony took the scribbles of a toddler and made it into an Instagram post. Jesus could have turned water into wine without the help of others. But instead, he called the servants at the wedding into the creation process with him. Jesus shows us that some of the best works of creation are done out of a service to others. They're done in collaboration with others. You see, when you're motivated by a who, you're more likely to show up to do. In the same way Jesus invited the servants to serve with him, he's inviting us to serve others. Who can you show up for today? How can we serve our families, our colleagues, our friends? And actually, it was not a coincidence that that John highlights that the jars Jesus used were the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. You see, the water represents the Jewish system of purification and the Jews would need to constantly wash with water from these stone jars to make themselves clean. And it wasn't a coincidence that this was Jesus' first miracle either. The wine represents Jesus' blood shed on the cross to wash away all of our sins. So Jesus was basically saying, I've come to replace this water with wine. I've come to replace the constant need to clean yourself. My death and resurrection will once and for all make you clean. And at the very end of this passage, John writes in verse 11, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And as I was reading this, I wondered, if this was the first sign, what were the others? By making this his first miracle, Jesus was saying, come along and start with me. Follow along until the very end with me. Watch what I do in between and come and create with me. You know, John writes about seven public signs in John's gospel and in all of them, he calls others to connect and create with him. In John 4, Jesus connects with an official as he healed his child in John 5 Jesus connects with a paralytic man and asks do you want to get well in John 6 it is not Jesus but his disciples who distribute the five loaves and two fishes later on in John 6 Jesus calls out to his disciples while walking on water in John 9 he gave a blind man sight he does part of the miracle and empowers the man to do the rest until ultimately we get to John 11 when Jesus hears of his friend Lazarus death Lazarus death he invites the disciples to come with him. He says, let us go to Lazarus. In all of his seven public signs, Jesus was serving those around him and he was calling them to connect in the creation process with him. Mary, his mother, was one of them. We see her at the start of John's gospel at the wedding at Cana and then at the very end at Calvary. So from Cana to the cross, Mary joined Jesus in serving others. This act of creation is often an invitation for connection. But in building up through these seven signs, Jesus was saying, Though I want you to come create with me, there's one final thing I must do alone. These signs all point to the ultimate sign that on the cross Jesus would die, but then three days later be raised to life. The same Jesus who says, I will take all of your sin and die on the cross for you, is the same Jesus who says, I will bring out new wine in you. So if you're feeling a little dry, demotivated and uninspired today, Jesus wants to bring new wine out of you. What we create will last into eternity and we can start somewhere today. So as we go into our weeks ahead, let's create kindness wherever we go. We can show up, we can start with what we have, And we can serve those we are surrounded by because we are called by a steadfast God who first served us. Amen. I'd love to pray for all of us right now. And you may want to open up your hands like this as an act of um, just receiving from the Lord. And I'm just going to pray that ancient prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us afresh right now?